Hi there, and welcome to another episode of Bonfire Side Chat. It's an appendix episode, and it's number 92, and it is brought to you by the Patron Gang. These are a bunch of fun-loving folk who hang out down at patreon.com forward slash duckfeedtv. It's a place where you can give us a couple bucks a month as kind of a tip or to show your support, and you get new stuff, and then we get to make more stuff. Uh, that is a cool corner of the internet. It's also home of the wide burger. Some of our landings were desperate adventures. We are now prepared to meet the inevitable counterattacks with power and with confidence. My name is Gary Butterfield. My name is Cole Ross. You're listening to Bonfireside Chat. It is a favorite brow. <laughs> and uh, this week we are reading your responses to the undead settlement. It's so hard not to say the undead Berg, honestly. Yeah, yeah, the undead settlement being the uh, Peter Francis Geraci's uh, class action lawsuit <laughs> against the Church of the Deep. Um, everyone yeah. gets one free, free burning bug or whatever, and then one free can of Estes soup. Yeah, uh, extra chunky. Um, uh, well, I picture it coming in a pouch, honestly. Oh yeah, like Capri Sun. Yeah. <laughs> Well, yeah, then praise the Capri Sun. Like yeah. it ends up working out, man. Wheels within wheels. Um, Will could not join us after this. He had to go to work, uh, but we thank him for uh, for joining us last episode and encourage you all to check out his work online. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and get started here with responses. I'm going to start with Gordon here. He says, uh, via contact, the settlement is where I think the game started to come together for me. A dense, twisted level with some striking set pieces, a nicely designed goofball boss, and a vicious enemy that gives you a sweet-ass hat. Uh, what I don't like is the transition with the lightning imps. I can't come up with any reason why these things are here, and it feels really stupid just to have them carry you across a small gap. Without them, the entirety of the world, except for two important exceptions, can be traversed on foot, <laughs> and th- uh, those exceptions feel undermined by this. Yeah, yeah. We didn't when we were complaining about that. Did, we didn't really get into that, uh, like why this has to be cut off physically. I, I mean. If like I have an intuitive reason in my gut for why it needs to, but what what is that? Oh, just that just that like Lothric is kind of the 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 center of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's you know. it's well even then though it would seem like things were like moving towards that rather than cutting away. You know. Yeah. Like I, I would almost like a, like a rubble wall, like a you know how like mountains are formed, like two plate tectonics kind of smashing into each other. Mm-hmm would almost make more sense than the literally movie. it seeming like the undead settlement is moving away from Lothric. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, and then just also from like a thematic or like a um, uh, kind of the way the game is assembled kind of point of view as well. Just the idea that like, oh, you start here and this is where it's going to end. But like you need to be away for a long time um, yeah. for that to happen. Like I know that is, you know, obviated by the fact that you can, you know, bonfire travel there but like mm-hmm. you have this long uninterrupted stretch where you know you're going on foot um and then just like you know lothric is getting smaller in the background behind you um until you kind of have to go rushing back to it yeah i i, still, I think that wouldn't have been undercut by having you be able to walk from it yeah you know i don't i, I still think you would have had that experience because you're still walking in a line from it mm-hmm. um I, I mean i can see it's it's I can see what you mean. Yeah, um, I mean just like I'm 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 articulating it poorly because I feel like garbage right now. But like it's uh you know it, it is like a separation you know that is just yeah. kind of like okay you know gives you the sense like okay you're done here and then you know makes it feel meaningful when you go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah I could I could I could <clears> kind of <throat> see that, um for sure. 
Yeah. Um, Jack writes in via the contact forum saying, uh, my first instinct upon really exploring the breadth of the undead settlement uh, was the game's use of the word settlement uh, and that it was very deliberate. It plays into the things uh, have really been sliding into decay for, for a very long time theory of things uh, that the bridge had been out for centuries. All of the pilgrims had already come through and collapsed and the settlement sprang up when enough undead had gathered on the broken bridge, hoping against hope to get to the, to get into Lothric's castle um, and just decided to give up and settle there. It really differs from the sense I got uh, in the, from the Berg in Dark Souls one, which seemed very deliberate and crafted in comparison uh, to the settlement's ramshackle makeup. Hmm. Yeah. I had a like a like a different like a whole different thing that like I didn't get the sense that it uh um started in that like at the, at the bridge and then came back out like you know I got the sense that it started kind of around that tower at that church yeah, yeah. At, at that church tower and the then church. just yeah. when we get to the you know to the outer part of it like everything is just put together with like you get the sense that those houses are built with like the wagons that they brought there yeah you know? yeah I, I got that too that people were leaving this this town that is maybe more established and building outwards from that yeah um, and, and figuring out the chronology is really difficult because, um, like, this town serves a purpose that we we hinted at, and we're going to talk about more explicitly. Like, this is this is a a larder. <laughs> it's a um, it's a feeder town, you know. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, it's a feeder town. Yeah, it's an exurb. Um, you know, it's a yeah. it's a be, it's a bedroom. It's a dining room community, a kitchen yeah, community. It's a, it's a it's a bed and breakfast and lunch and dinner. <laughs> um, the uh, so we're we're going to talk about the purpose of this town. Um, because it serves such an explicit purpose, but we don't know what order those things happened in, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, it could have been uh, the the town sprang up because people were trying to get into Lothric, and then uh, the purpose of the town came along, or vice versa. Right. Um, in, in either way. But I think that there's too many kind of, like, important masonry-like buildings to have the whole entire thing kind of built up out of, out of people just traveling and stopping, you know? Right. Because it is, uh, there's a lot of actual structure that seems... Uh, significant like basements and shit mm -hmm. um yeah but it is, it is an interesting uh, interesting idea um mike says by contact design wise i absolutely love the idea that these undead villagers are somehow holding their own against the hollows literally at their gates the way they seem to be employing undead dogs to keep the hollows at bay suggests a sense of common purpose among the inhabitants inhabitants keep the outsiders away this little detail as you first enter the area is a nice touch adding a level of depth to the experience <clears throat> i prefer the settlement to the burg do the inhabitants fighting you as opposed to a militarized force that came in after uh, the regular people had to evacuate all in all a great early area. And one thing the player has in common with these villagers is an apparent obsession with bonfires. Yeah. Yeah. I always, I always read the Berg as having kind of a mix of like, there are soldiers there, but also there are citizens as well. Mm -hmm. Like you run into just like people who are occupied there. Yeah. Um, but this, there are no soldiers. Like if that's the <laughs> point, that is true. Like yeah. this is like the evangelist. <laughs> who, you know, we'll talk about more um, in the future. And then also just like the people who are either the slaves or the people who have been conscripted. Like you think of the, uh, like how the one person in the, in the chain gang who gets kind of promoted, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. uh, because as, as like a, an overseer or lead from the other people. That's how I kind of think of these guys with the pitchforks and the like. Yeah. Like the, 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 the settlement has a, a much more clear uh, ecology than, yeah. uh, than, than the Berg does, which is, which is just a little bit confused. Yeah, I agree with that for sure. Yeah. Uh, let's see here. Nick writes in via the contact forum saying, I loved the first glance of the settlement with a million crows flying overhead. 
I was all the evangelist, mostly because the first one, uh, the first time I met one, um, I was too busy laughing at it as a waddled, waddled over to me and shouted at me in the same voice that John Stewart uses to impersonate the Queen of England uh, to avoid <laughs> being smashed when it whipped out a spike club twice the size of my body. Hello. <laughs> um, I'm also uh, digging some of the lore implications of the enemies here. The Thralls were slaves in Lothric, uh, which makes uh, that kingdom a whole lot less sympathetic. But the Thralls seem to be free now, uh, since we see them here and at the cathedral, uh, to have joined with the Church of the Deep. Did the Church maybe free the slaves and use them to slaughter the settlers who wouldn't convert? I mean, the settlement can't always have been like this, right? It has buildings with porches overlooking scenic views and stocked with rocking chairs. It has reading rooms. Uh, people who lived here. What happened? Did they, uh, Did maybe the church, realizing that Aldrich is back and hungry, go out looking for more sacrifices? A lot of corpses um, are setting in chairs as if they didn't see death coming. Uh, maybe some kind of poison attack? Uh, or did they just totally lose hope and wither away? Or maybe the thralls just set corpses up in a horrifying tableau of normal life. Finally, speaking of those chairs, many of them contain corpses with plant life growing from them, uh, like we saw on the high wall. Why do people turn into trees? I can't make head or tail of this. I think you mean branches are roots. Yes. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there's a lot there. Um, I think that the people turning into trees, I think you can make the argument or one idea is that they're in different stages mm -hmm. of that. Um there is like a lore theory going on around right now. What actually happens to those, yeah. those guys, um, which I in part kind of buy, but then it also gets tied into something else. I don't think it is. So I think there's more there, but I don't, I haven't figured it out yet. Um, as to what, what happens, to these people turning into trees. Um, I think, ex I think the church definitely happened to this town. Oh, definitely. Like, I think that I, there's beyond a doubt like that, that is what happened. <laughs> um, the church came here and, uh, that is why this is no longer like a fun reading room, rocking chair, uh, you know, country, country jamboree kind of place and more of a horrific, uh, corpses hanging in the streets kind of place. Yeah. Some um, kind of carnal lane. Yes. Yes. It is. It's almost as if a lane purposely for, for charnel, uh, <laughs> things. The, um, yeah. So, uh, and then the, the idea of the thralls being Lothric slaves and then uh, moving, it gets kind of confusing because Lothric is a kingdom and mm -hmm. like the land is called Lothric as well. So even if this was just a village, um, it could still have slaves from the kingdom mm -hmm. in it. Like I never got the sense necessarily that these were uh, like, this is not under the purview of the castle Lothric. I always thought of this as the village for, for castle Lothric. Mm -hmm. That bridge was there. Like I, I think it's part of the same kingdom. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's possible the church, you know, just kind of co-opted these guys in general. Like they're already they're already broken in. Um, <laughs> they're already yeah. you know pliant. We just have to change their focus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Connor says via contact. Um, this was the point in the game where I fell in love and really began uh, really began standing out as a worthy successor to the Souls title. It wasn't the graphical quality, which is great, or the enemies, which were also great, but rather the level design. When you guys mentioned how the levels in this game uh, were like spokes akin to Dark Souls 2 as opposed to a honeycomb like the original, it made me reconsider my stance on uh, what it was exactly I liked so much about the first game. Ultimately, while the first certainly has more compelling areas, the way they're laid out in 3, for me, is the most rewarding. The way the train breaks into different levels, taking you off of on uneven routes with tons of blind corners and nooks to dig around is beyond awesome. The spot in specific that did this for me was the side route leading to a secret covenant where all those thralls are camped out on the rooftops. rooftops. Uh, navigating this spot was truly memorable and made me feel like I was playing with friends in a wickedly designed playground. 
<laughs> although they were, weren't were trying to kill me. Uh, the honeycomb levels of Dark Souls 1 were great, but this uh, sort of painstakingly laid out level design is what I enjoy the most. Yeah. Um, I think that the, what's going on here is a little bit of vocabulary between world design and level design. Mm-hmm. Uh, world design, I, this is like one gigantic line. Yeah. You know, with, with spokes, like the way the level areas connect to each other within every area, it is much more complicated. Right. So in, 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 intra, um, there we go. Yeah. Intra level complexity as opposed to inter level complexity. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, we weren't comparing this into these individual levels to dark souls, two levels. No, no. Um, it's more that the world kind of, you just travel a straight line. It's not a fucking 90s FPS level design. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes. And I, I really like it too. It is, uh, I think it is really cool and really complicated and neat. Mm-hmm. And I like all the nooks and crannies as well. Yeah. As long as it turns, it turns. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, Daniel writes on via, I got, uh, <laughs> sorry, via contact. If I said via, I got, that's <laughs> Hello, a, <laughs> I brought a message from Daniel. <laughs> yeah. Don't you ever hurt him. As long as Daniel's you a hurt sweet, him, sweet behind. boy. Yeah, <laughs> they don't need protected. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, I tag all of these with their topics, and I um, read the wrong thing. Uh, so Daniel says, uh, so I find this evil sounding, although I love as well as accent, weirdo in scary armor, Aegon of Kareem. Uh, the guys clearly no good and must be the yurt slash Lautrec analog, but I decide to play along, vowing to kill him at the first sign of any fuzzy, funny business at Fire Lake. Sometime later, Yol dies following some convoluted questline stuff that I didn't really know about. Uh, but look who's just shown up. Cue the Benny Hill music as I run around <laughs> Firelink trying to avoid that massive hammer. Um, it felt pretty good defending my cesspool of doddering old folk uh, and degenerates. Post-completion, I find he's not really a murderer. Whoops. Just likes to lock up blind nuns. He deserved his death by a thousand throwing knives. That's very funny. Yeah. I don't feel like... You shouldn't feel too bad about that because a lot of the NPCs in this game are explicitly just remixed NPCs from other mm-hmm. games. Like he, he is a little bit law Trekky. like his mm-hmm. obsession with the fire keeper is law Trekky, but he also is he's law Trek plus, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Garl uh, Vinland. uh yeah. Garl Vinland, uh, who's protecting Laurentius. Mm-hmm. Like it is every, every quest line in this game is little parts of quest lines. We've seen before mashed together, protecting Laurentius, uh, Laurentius, the pyromancer, who, mm-hmm. when you give him access to dark secrets, goes off and gets into trouble. Ah, shit. Okay, there we go. Yeah. So it is every, there's nothing, there's very few original, like, actual plot <laughs> elements. They're just kind of remixed for this. Yeah. So it's it's hard to say it's, like, subverting your expectations of them. It's just kind of presenting them in, in, in a different ma- order. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like, it's order. like a like, ransom note. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's, whoa, that's a, that's a good, uh, boy, that Dark Souls 3, a <laughs> ransom note. Like, that is a good way to... To put this, um, not all of the game, but like the way that quest lines work definitely feels like that to me. Yeah. Like it's just a pinch of patches with a little bit of Rhea and then, you know, we get that here. So the, um, yeah, but a uh, good, good on you killing him because it's a tough fight. <laughs> um, Tyler says via contact. I must say I was so happy when Sigurd came out of the elevator towards the end of the area. I really enjoyed his character as a whole and how he is a bit of a dichotomy to Sigmire. Where Sigmire is timid and thoughtful, Sigurd is brave and dim, a little dim-witted. He was the only character quest I finished all the way to the end in my playthrough, and I was so happy I did. I enjoyed uh, how this character was both a throwback to Dark Souls 1 and something new at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, like, that is the one, the area where his quest line ends. That's the number one thing I want to talk about. Because <laughs> uh, it's, it's, I think it's a weak area Yeah. in general. And uh, God, am I looking forward to being really unpopular by saying I don't <laughs> like secret. <laughs> um, 
So well, look forward to that. We're going to get there when we get there. Yeah. Yeah. But as I respectfully disagree, like I, I like him as just a guy. I think he's funny and seems like a good guy. Um, I don't like what he does for the game hmm. um, or like how he fits into uh, like a deeper read yeah. on things. Um, yeah. Jeff writes in via contact saying the undead settlement is the first place where Dark Souls three lets you know that the in references to the series are not just going to be for show. When you run into Siegfried, my favorite NPC, the first response to his dopey hmm hmm is one of feeling almost at home. You warm to a familiar face, even though he isn't a familiar face. The resulting battle against the demon is one of uh, is one of sincere relationship building. This micro episode captures something I don't feel from has done anywhere else um, with the NPC storylines. This moment built the relationship between Sigurd and the player character in a way that both got past any ties his initial likeness gives to the player gives the player to Sigmeyer. It also lets you know that you aren't alone. Toast to my onion, bro just don't think that exists in, with what you do afterwards like did you i did jeff did you do the next part of the like the next three parts of the quest <laughs> like it is that's that's not how this articulates um i i like that idea so much like that is 100 what i wanted like a hyper competent version of this that helps you out as you go that would have been amazing you know that would have been really cool and wouldn't have just been presenting something from dark souls one to present it um but like he immediately like he just gets trapped in the dumbest fucking ways like ah how do you even fall down there that's that's a thing that happens like four-year-olds like that the, well, like the news gets called when that happens it doesn't happen to adults well like we'll we'll, well we'll talk about it when we get there yeah yeah um james says by contact about hollowing uh hollowing in dark souls 3 is a pretty great hidden mechanic at first it seems like a trick a strange man gives you free levels for nothing sounds great up until you start to change the opt-in nature really makes hollowing into something taboo or forbidden. What's better is that once you have gotten far enough into Yol's uh, quest, you meet a vendor and get to buy a ring that conceals your cursed nature. I ended up keeping up with the quest, hiding my disfigured face from my companions while conspiring against them. Uh, if I had to take the ring off, I would usually put on a hood or helmet, uh, else I would rock my sweet crown. Uh, it really got me into the spirit of make Vondor great again. Um, I feel kind of weird for getting so into character in this game since many people online uh, didn't. I think semi-spoiling that quest helped since it seemed like a personal goal to work towards. Maybe this would be fixed by simpler NPC quests in general. Just having casters uh, know where the tombs generally are uh, so you have more direction. That way, the more evil tombs feel more forbidden too. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I like that RP thing. I actually did something when I turned hollow, I put on Lucatiel's mask, which was <laughs> awesome because that's why Lucatiel wore Lucatiel's mask. Yeah. Um, you know, mm -hmm. so. Yeah, I've got, uh, so I, I rolled an assassin and I'm playing her um, as kind of my dark storyline for this. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I chose to go hollow here. And that is, yeah. uh, it's it's off-putting. <laughs> yeah, it, 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 it does look really ugly. You put yeah. spend a lot of time in that character creation for nothing. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, let's see here. Matthew writes in via contact saying the undead settlement was a location that really emphasized the Soulsborne way of thinking that mastery over an area shrinks it. I can't tell you how much grief and struggling it took me to uh, to make it from the first bonfire of the area um, all the way to the second over by that rat tunnel. 
At the time, it was one uh, it was one of the largest areas I had I had played in one of these games. With all the cool stuff you find here, from the friendly giant shooting spears at enemies to an onion bro with all the mannerisms of Sigmire, there's only one thing that will forever stick in my mind with regards to this location, namely. Uh, that I never got a fucking hat to drop with the evangelist enemies. <laughs> Finally, one of the uh, messages that I left in this area got got a super high rating and kept me topped off with health through the entire game. That message got ahead in front of the statue of Velka. I guess people appreciated the heads up. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, it is. It is never. Uh, it's always totally surprising to me what messages people end up like <laughs> loving. Yeah. Um, and I always forget what, what messages I've left in different characters. Yeah, me too. So like, I just get these little boosts. And I'm like, oh, well, hopefully somebody liked that. Yeah. 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 Finger butthole. Um, yeah. Yes. Finger butthole. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, I want to hear more people's stories, um, even if they don't make it onto the show of their, of their own personal Balder side swords. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like what, what you can't, can't get to drop. I've had her, uh, her spear or her like club drop a thousand times. Yeah. Like I've got a bunch of those. Got the pants. I've got the pants too. Those big, big, big girl pants. <laughs> um, Slavi says by contact. Uh, I know that they're also a Demon Souls throwback, but as somebody who doesn't own uh, the consoles, I miss the Demon Souls train. All I can think of, uh, and he's talking about the uh, the, the evangelist. evangelist. Sorry. All I can think of is Fem Mosgus. Like Dark Souls is the most berserk of a series that is just so berserk. This is something I love, and in addition. They've got Farnese's little ponytail as a hairstyle. So now I'm building Farnese to be a to be a blue and hunt down people. And this possibly makes a very, very bad person praise the dark moon. <laughs> um, possibly makes me a very bad person. Praise the dark moon. Mark. <laughs> yeah. Mosgus being the uh, the evil priest with the crazy uh, like clay mask face um, yes. from uh, from Berserk. The uh, what the conviction arc. Yes. There we go. Yeah. Yep. And Farnese also from that. Yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, do we have anything more to say about that? Because there's no more, more Berserk happening here. No, I just, uh, yeah, there are a lot of Berserk references in this game. Yeah. There's even a, a Guts um, sign that you can yeah. drop. Yeah. yeah. Um, Wayne writes in via contact saying, without getting into all the NPC stuff that happens here for the sake of taking up too much time, I'll just say that I love the feel of this area and how it pretty much just is tonally uh, the Berserk arc in this Dark Souls game. Seeing those little dudes with the almost cute looking cowls and the evangelist, uh, which uh, the first time I killed the first one upon death, I gripped my controller, hoping that she would not respawn. Um, <laughs> she did. They always did. Oh, yeah. Uh, she, uh, like at a bonfire. Not. Yeah. Yeah. And not there. But like just oh, if these are going to be mid bosses. Uh, mm. Yeah. There, there's very little here that doesn't respawn. Actually. Yeah. Almost everything does. Yeah. yeah. Um, uh, they continue. Uh, they became my most feared enemy even after I could kill them in a single combo. Initially, when fighting the boss, I went from uh, I went from my first time, how do you even do this? They have gone too far this time, uh, feeling, <laughs> to figuring it out and sunbrowing there uh, for a good couple of hours after beating it because I leaned into it. You did it again, FromSoft. Mm -hmm. Yeah, insurmountable to uh, I'm going to help other people surmount this. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised how so few people have written in about the boss. Yeah. Like, this is kind of like not a super I and mean, it's interesting it's not a bad boss but i don't think this is going to be anybody's favorite right um in the game it's a um, like it's just one of the cool concepts that they have you know yeah. like this is a cool concept boss um you know in a game full of unique bosses yeah concept like visually more than like fighting it wise because the weak point thing you know i feel like we've seen that before mm -hmm. um it just there's just not a lot to the fight right i think um david and finally david says by contact 
Uh, the Undead Settlement feels like a good example of how the world has squished together. This could have been a town uh, of just mostly uh, random, mostly non-hostile people before all the trouble arrives. Then the church rolls in, giant in tow, and starts converting who they can and killing the rest. Boreal Knight in the basement hints that that faction is trying to slow the church's incursion, and who the heck knows who set the f- who sent the fire demon. <laughs> the way you start the Cursewood fight uh, makes me think that these people really just wanted to be left alone, but will defend themselves if, ne- if necessary. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't get the sense that the uh, that the church sent the giant. Yeah, I, I don't know what that's based on. There's nothing on the giant. Yeah. Like, I don't think that I mean, the giant is nothing. The giant yeah. is as irritating to me as as uh, Andre. <laughs> um, you know, there's a little bit with the, because there's different areas where they have those birches, and one of them is strongly associated with dusk mm-hmm. um, later. So uh, she used that, she used a white birch uh, catalyst, and you find her equipment there. Yeah. Um, so that's one of the items that, that you pick up that ultimately leads to his death. Yeah. 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 But what does that, I don't know what else that means. Like what faction he's allied with, um, who he's supposed to be or anything like that. Like I just, mm-hmm. a lot of the characters in this game, I wish just had more dialogue, mm-hmm. you know, like they just, they, they dry up really quick Yeah. and he dry ups quicker than almost anybody. So. Yeah, this is uh, something that does bear out on a bunch of different playthroughs, though, is kind of seeing these different factions interlock, especially once we figure out, you know, through further item descriptions and bosses and stuff, exactly what is going on with this cathedral and uh, uh, Irithal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, yeah. Is, which is, in my mind, is the coolest shit in the game. Yep. Um, yeah, so thanks, everybody. If you have things to say about the Road of Sacrifices, um, go ahead and hit us up at uh, duckfeed.tv forward slash contact. Yeah. Um, and if you want to support the show, go to patreon.com slash duckfeedtv. That helps us do new and different shows. We've got uh, just a whole bunch of new stuff that's popped up here in the past couple of months. And we would love for you to a, check that new stuff out and also help more new stuff happen. Yeah, we like uh, we like making things. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, you know, other than that, you can join us on Facebook, uh, hit us up on social media, things like that. Um, use duckfeed.tv forward slash tip jar. Um, yeah, and uh, stay tuned for just a, a few brief uh, pre-roll goofs. <laughs> and uh, in Umbasa. Umbasa. He ever has his cage. Even though, like, your first name is not spelled like an actual first name, I would True. say you have, like, one last name <laughs> and then two two first names after that. I don't know what mm. that makes you. Like, you're a homophobic like, you for lesbian. Your life is Ross Cole? <laughs> What's that? Have you ever imagined your life as Ross Cole? Um, kind of that, like that happens accident accidentally all the time in official places where somebody will read Ross comical and think that's uh, the correct way around. It's yeah. fine. I have college professors who still think my first name is Ross and that's fine. <laughs> that's like gym class. <laughs> so you just, just do last name anyway. Mm-hmm. I was always had this temptation to just go by Will Ryan. Cause hmm. that's like a, that's like a Tom Clancy character. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're Jack's like you brother. Have. Yeah. You have more nuclear secrets than I know that you have. So. <laughs> yeah. um, Other than just the couple you keep in the phylactery. Yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> just, that, 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 that does sound like way more. Not that, like, I don't think your name is inherently, like, un, untough, Will. But that does make you sound way tougher. Yeah. Well, the thing about my name is it's all, like, soft sounds. It's like William Ryan Hughes. Mm, it's yeah. like just like a wind blowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a sweet exhale. <laughs> it's a careless whisper yeah you can add an unlimited number of h's to your last name and still have it pronounced more or less the same yep you have a lot of room for h's <laughs> h carrying have... capacity 
give him Ryan Hughes. <laughs> Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Good. Good I just wish Braden was here for dueling uh, Tom Clancy's. Yeah. Oh, man. Dueling Clancy's could make an appearance. But dueling Clancy's uh, segues so naturally and painfully into the little Kiki that, like, it's, it's true. really. They're it the same voice. Yeah, it's a really similar. Like, it's kind of like uh, it's a species of animals where the male is a Tom Clancy and the the female is a little cakey. And, <laughs> and the, you know, Tom Clancy. Ah, I'm the Tell about some nuclear secrets and guns. <laughs> I'd rather have some pork. Um, <laughs> and and that's Tom Clancy versus Little Cakey. Is this is this like a Houseboys bit that I'm not, that I'm completely unaware of? It, uh, it's, I was reviewing The Division, or sorry, Tom Clancy's The Division, hmm. and Brayton and I got into this, just like, imagining what Tom Clancy was like. It turns <laughs> out yeah. Real friendly, real into guns. It <laughs> turns out he's exactly like Huel Hauser. <laughs> it's like, not to put you, put you on blast, but it's not like What's... that impression doesn't have a seedbed already. Like... <laughs> Well, no, exactly like James Adomian's version of yeah, Huel. Yes, there we yeah, go. It's, yeah, it's James Adomian's Huelhauser. It sounds kind of, like, kind of cross with an old-timey prospector. Yep. There's, yeah. avoc- there's avocados in them there, nukes. Yeah, there's he, a dog he, eating an avocado. There's a dog giving out nuclear secrets. Bad <laughs> dog. That is a bad yeah. dog. Bad dog. Who's um, a bad little boy? Who's a bad little boy? Well, I got a little sexual. That's <laughs> <laughs> true. I thought he was getting a spank spank. Um, but yeah, it, then it becomes like Will Hughes presents James Adobians, Tom Clancy, Huel Hauser as Tom Clancy. I think it would go a little something <laughs> like that. Uh, the, uh, the Will, did you know, as, a, um, as an improv guy, did you know that yesterday... Simpsons episode was about uh day before yesterday Simpsons episode was about Homer joining an improv team yeah and then at the end they did like I haven't seen it but they did like that live thing with Dan Castellano yeah say his name I've been reading his name for 20 years and I can't say it but yeah it, I, th- I think it's pronounced I think it, I think you have it Castellano I think that's right um did you see that Cool. Not, like none of us watch Modern Simpsons. I have like a little bit of train wreck like curiosity about that. Uh, no, I didn't see it. I heard about like the like the bodysuit improv thing. Like that was going to be a gimmick this this season. That makes sense. Yeah. But, I saw I one screen cap that just had like the rules of improv. I uh, saw that which too. Was... <laughs> I, I thought it was kind of funny. Yeah, accept, acceptable stereotypes, and then just a big list. Like, <laughs> funny. Um, you know, so. <laughs> that is pretty good. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't mind that. Huh. Or the favorite, um, like the one that like told me that people did improv was like the rules were like no denying something else, and then when in doubt, pretend to make a salad. <laughs> that is yeah, that definitely happens a lot. <laughs> like, I have made I, the, so many fake salads. The the, no one, the number of scenes I've seen that just start with with somebody standing in front of a, a kitchen <laughs> yep. salading it up. Oh, yeah. I'm mixing a bowl, mixing Oop. something in a bowl, yep. chopping something. What is it? What could yep. it be? Yes, and yes, and. Yep. Carrots and Angers. onions and olives. Um yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, do I do you guys want to get started? Um I need to go re- refill my water. I switched from mason jars to jelly jars. Um oh, okay. they're, they're smaller. Oh. <laughs> okay, good choice. Yep. I'm a little annoyed um, that that's not in the notes. <laughs> they're easier to hold, but they're smaller. I'll be right back. And 
And we all pray that we will have far more soon 